Today's episode is brought to you by Dreammaker Racing, the New York bred specialist. From top quality New York bred racehorses, Hall of Fame trainers, and unmatched hospitality services, Dreammaker Racing has everything to offer when it comes to owning a racehorse. Have you ever imagined what it's like to see your horse cross the finish line first at racetracks like Saratoga or Belmont? Well, now you can. Dreammaker Racing will put you in the winner's circle. Call today at 518 518- 587-5550 or visit DreamMakerRacing.com and let us make your dreams come true today. And we're live, pal. Welcome to another episode of the Stewcast. I am, of course, Stu. First and foremost, check me out at StuCast Sports. That's S-T-U-C-A-S-T Sports on the Twitter. Um, Remember, like, rate, subscribe, leave a review. Five-star review, much appreciated, much obliged. Need those reviews, need those those comments to, you know, kind of boost up the ratings when I go to plug this show out. So uh, much appreciated if you can do that. Uh, going to be short and sweet intro because I'm going to get right into it. I've been promising an NFL show and we got it. Sean Belizean, uh, the pre and post game host for Lions Radio. He's on, uh, we're talking Lions and, and the debacle that is. And then Kyle Tucker comes on from the athletic. We're talking Tennessee. We're talking, uh, a little potpourri, a little AFC South action, a little bit here, there and everywhere. Hope you dig it. Uh, Coming Thursday, we've got the Bobcat back in studio. And, uh, yeah, he's feisty. And uh, we love the college football board this weekend. So we got a great college football breakdown, the games that we think are most interesting that we're looking at. Uh, There's about – SEC's back. So, I mean, we cover all those, some Big 12, some ACC. Uh, We got a best bet. We got a lock of the week. A lock of the week. A lock of the week for both NFL and college football. You can do a little two-team parlay. And uh, helping us out with the NFL will be the notorious Swift hitter. He's coming back on, and we're going to run over the NFL lines. Hope you enjoy that. Tune in. Until then, I'm Stu, and I'm signing out. Enjoy the show. All right, we're talking NFL finally on this station. Uh, been been mired in SEC football for the last couple weeks. Thank God that's coming back. Uh, today, we got my guy. He's my man. He's back for this, his second appearance on this show. You can catch him on WJR 760 doing Lions pre and post game. You can catch him on Wayne State football. He's doing the play-by-play. And he's a connoisseur of assorted meats, Sean Belizean. <laughs> What's up, Al? It's a pleasure to be with you again, my friend. Hey, man, it's always good to talk with you. Uh, I mean, we were talking a little bit before this about the Lions, and we'll get to them because um, that is a just a sad, apoplectic situation. But, you know, last time we were chatting, we, we didn't really know about football being back. Yeah. But we got the whole NFL slate back, and it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, you know, I don't want to go game by game, but you know, 
what were some of the things that really interested you yesterday? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me, obviously it, for the one o'clock games, you know, I'm, my focus is on the lines and everything, but um, watching what was transpiring in that Atlanta Dallas game was unbelievable. I mean, my goodness gracious, what a, what a disaster for the Atlanta Falcons there. And, you know, this was a situation Al where, you know, that was a game that, you know, let's be honest, by the time the third quarter hit uh, really the first play of the third quarter, you knew, okay, I, I can go pay attention to other things. And, you know, years ago, we used to call that cider mill moments, as you recall, where, <laughs> where you're just, you're sitting at home and you're like, cool, I'm going to go take off to the cider mill for the rest of the afternoon and uh, avoid the shame of the lions. But, um, you know, that was one, I, I thought the last night I stayed up for the Patriots, uh, Seahawks game. And, you know, I say stayed up because I think anybody knows, um, that's not a problem until you hit your mid forties and then you hit your mid forties and you're like, I'm getting drowsy, but uh, that game kept me up last night. Fantastic football game. And I'm looking forward to tonight as well. But, you know, obviously my, my Sunday is, is spent with the lions and, um, it's a disaster. There's, there's no other way to say that. There's no other way you can spin it. And, you know, the one common theme that we kept talking about yesterday is when you get to the point of a regime where there's no hope, that's the worst thing. There's nothing, there's nothing even remotely re- resembling hope right now. And that's why I made the, I made the reference. It really does remind you of the end of uh, the decade of despair, the Matt Millen years. And, you know, when, they went 0-16, obviously, in, in, in 2008. This is 11 straight losses now. And not only is it 11 straight losses, but, you know, as I'm sure you saw the, the thing that ESPN Stats put out, the first time in National Football League history, a team has blown a double-digit lead in four straight games. I mean, it, it's, it's surreal. And, um, you know, the idea of the Lions starting over again is is real and staring at you in the face right now. I mean, there's no two ways about that. The next two weeks um, are, are are tough matchups. Uh, there's no other way to say that. The Cardinals are obviously are playing uh, well, very well, and and well, then you've fun. got the Saints. So here we go. Yeah, I mean, let's let's get right into it because I mean, Arizona. Uh, I already put several hundred dollars on Arizona, given <laughs> six and a half. Uh, that's free money. The Saints, who, you know, Drew Brees isn't what he was. I think that's pretty clear and evident now. But it's still the Saints, and their their defense is legit. Their yeah. defense is very good. At Jacksonville, and Jacksonville is all of a sudden, with, after they had a fire sale and got rid of Jalen Ramsey and uh, uh, that D, D end uh, Ngakwe to Minnesota, they're an actually better team this yeah. year yeah uh, Atlanta and who we you know who you mentioned earlier although their defense might be the worst in the league yeah uh because I think watching that game the Cowboys started off with like fumble fumble muffed punt fumble and it's like you you still couldn't capitalize on that you still couldn't keep them out of the end zone they still scored 40 then you got the Colts and I mean, you, you're staring down the barrel of 0-6 to start yeah. off the year. Um, I think when the bye week comes, that's going to be critical. I think if they're 0-4 in the bye week, that's when we have to start, um, you know, dare I say Patricia Watch and Quinn Watch. And that's, that's the thing, the idea that I think 
really makes Lion fans just groan is the idea of starting again. That That is how many stops and starts there have been in, in the past two decades. It's, it's, it's incredible, you know, and, and there have been a couple moments, you know, there was really nothing during the millionaire, as you well know. I mean, some people tried to turn seven and nine into something. I mean, it was, to me, that was just absolutely pathetic. You know, when they went seven and nine in 2007 and people were going, yeah, we're going in the right direction. And it was like, <laughs> you took seven years to go from nine and seven to seven and nine. I, I mean, it was, it was amazing. And obviously we know that how that panned out and, you know, they had the good year in, in, in 2011. And then, you know, they, they had a, a really good year. If, if you remember under Caldwell where they went yep. uh, 11 and five and, you know, this is a situation where I've been there, done that uh, Mayhew, Quinn, Millen. It, it, it's, it's, incredible i've always said al and if there is a fan watching right now from another part of the country i've always said there is nobody and i mean nobody that outside of the detroit lions franchise outside of the detroit lions fan base that truly understands how bad this franchise has been like i mean when i say to people one one playoff win since 1957. That's I mean that's no. I've said that to people. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, somebody I won't mention his name. Um, uh, a, a, a national guy. We were having a conversation. This is going back to maybe 07, 08, and he was doing the. I think the people locally are too hard on the lines. And I said, well, you have to understand what Lion fans go through. You know, they're they have one playoff win since 1957 he started laughing he said see that's what i'm talking about you guys all over exaggerate and i said no they have one playoff win and he goes that can't be true and i said do yourself a favor and go research that they have one playoff win and like literally he did and he got back to me 10 minutes later and he said that's unbelievable. Why, why don't more people know that? And I said, that's something that's thrown around, you know, weekly around here. So again, I reiterate, unless you're a Lion fan, unless you're in this region, I don't think people know how bad this franchise has been. I really don't. I, I had the same conversation with a friend uh, who's, you know, from the South. He's an Alabama grad. He's a Falcons guy. And he's like, well, you guys aren't that bad. And I go, we've made the greatest running back in the history of the NFL and all of football. I could, you can make that argument. Barry was the greatest and one of the best wide receivers ever. Uh, Calvin Johnson uh, for a long time, he revolutionized the position and we made him quit. Yeah. And <laughs> like, they just said, you know what? We're just, we're done with football. Yeah. We could play a little bit more, but. Yeah, we just don't have the passion anymore. We're going to go take some CBD or, and move back to Stillwater or something. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you, you, talking to Lions, I, I was listening to some post-game shows and analysis in Detroit yesterday. And, and really, you know, I have a slightly divergent opinion in that the team is – there are pieces there. I think Swift is a nice player. Uh, he's got a role. He's he's Theo Riddick on steroids. He's got a role in the league. Uh, Galladay is a, a monster deep threat. Marvin sure Jones is. is adequate. I think TJ Hawkinson is coming along okay. You know, he's not 
top 10 pick, okay, but oh, whatever. He's an okay player. Ragnow's okay. The offense, even Matthew Stafford, is adequate. He's competent. Uh, I, I think just the personnel management, and when you look at this defense, you have Danny Shelton at D-tackle, a rotational guy from the Patriots, 85-year-old Jamie Collins. You, this secondary, Okuda, you know, the poor kid, he, oh, well, he wasn't ready. He wasn't going to play anyway first week. You spent your number three pick on him. He comes in. What changed? Because at Ohio State, he was amazing. Yesterday, he's getting ate up by, you know, uh, Vontez Scantling. He's getting ate up by everybody. And I just look at a, a personal management deficiency that is it, – it's an ongoing problem. It's not yeah. – you know, Patricia's going to lose you some games, but – this personal management is is really the issue. And they hit on the offense, but not so much on the defense. And this is his calling card, no? I mean, he did orchestrate the the Malcolm Butler uh, pick in the end zone. You know, it wasn't Malcolm Butler. It was all Matt Patricia, right? <laughs> no, it's interesting because, um, you know, I've watched other guys. Like, I'll give you an example. Deshaun Hand. Deshaun Hand was such a good player his rookie year. I mean, he really was. And Shout out Deshaun. I love Deshaun. Yeah, he's great. He really is. And, and he's a great guy, too. And, yeah. you know, last year he just couldn't – he couldn't get healthy, couldn't stay healthy. And, um, you know, fast forward to this year, he's been non-existent. It, it's it's well, so I thought, strange. I the first game, I thought he played uh, pretty well against the Bears. Well, you know what? I, I think – I'm of the opinion that I was ready for him to take a massive step up and, yeah. and it, it just hasn't happened. Uh, you know, especially when you look at what, what transpired from his rookie year, Okuda was going to have a tough year regardless. All, all young cornerbacks do. That's just the way it is. That's the nature of the beast. You're on an Island. I remember uh, Darius Slay. People were calling Darius Slay a wasted pick his rookie year because I mean, he really struggled. And if you remember, he was taken out of Mississippi state, um, second round, early in second round. And, you know, they're going to struggle. I think Okuda is going to be okay. I do. I, I don't, I don't worry about that. You know, if we, it, now, if we're having these same conversations next year, then, then we all, you know, ah, oh, at that point in time. But I think the cornerback position is, is, is one that, you know, if you're expecting immediate dividend, it, it, it's just not going to happen or very rarely does it happen. Not so, everybody's Jalen Ramsey. No, no, that's exactly it. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, the, the pieces that you really liked, um, yeah, Jared Davis, boy, there are some moments that Jared Davis, you know, he, he gets it. And then there are other moments. And, and one of my buddies who's a scout has used this term about Jared Davis he is like a dog chasing cars. You know, a car goes that way, he, car goes that way, and, you know, he's going to just run, you know, bull rush into, into the gap. It doesn't matter which gap it is, whether it's the right gap or the wrong gap. He's just going to go running in. And, and you know, obviously, uh, ever since he brought that up to me, it, it's, that's what keeps coming into my mind. He's like a dog chasing cars. The will is there. The desire is there. I think the physicalities are there. It's he's a guy that struggles game in game out for every good moment he has. There's another moment where you go, what are you doing? So unfortunately that's where we're at with this, this football team right now is um, there's a lot of, huh? Okay. You know, or, or uh, Matthew Stafford is the one to me. I think the debate around here forever 
um, and, and it's made me pull hair out of my head, Al, is uh, Stafford sucks versus Stafford's great. And they're both wrong. Both of those he's, are wrong. He's adequate. He's good. Yeah, I, yeah, I call him a good quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think he's a good quarterback. He's not great. He doesn't suck. He's a good quarterback. Does he have his moments? Oh, yes, of course he does. I think that's what good quarterbacks, that's what makes them good. I think more often than not, they're good moments, but he has some other moments where you're just like, what were you thinking? The interception last week, the taking the sack yesterday, you know? So, and, and I think that's what keeps him in that, he's just a good quarterback type of, of range, but no, you're right. It, it's not one thing. It's another, it's, it's, you know, personnel issues here. It's a lack of productivity there. And you add it all up and you have a team right now that is a disaster. There's no other way to say that you, you lost 11 straight games in the national football league. It, it's not supposed to happen. It really isn't. I mean, this is a league that's set up for parity and, and that, you know, almost rewards you for, for stinking. And, and unfortunately, the Lions, uh, they, they keep taking the rewards and throwing them away. My favorite stat, I, I heard it uh, last week when the Lions uh, blew that, that big lead in the fourth was Matt Patricia through 34 games has gone into the fourth quarter with 11 uh, leads and lost all 11 times. So it's like you mentioned that it's a rebuild time versus, uh, you know, fans trying to settle into that. I've seen the the Lions the past seven, eight years figure out, okay, Matt Stafford's going to be our quarterback. We got to find the right pieces around him. They have not been able to find the right pieces. Uh, It kind of – uh, this is a really bad comparison, but when the Cavs were trying, okay, we got the superstar, we got to find the pieces around them. And they were never the quite the right fit. Sure. Like LeBron had to leave and, and then come back. A gross comparison, I know. But it, it's it's a similar thing where they can't find the right pieces. They need to go back to the drawing board. Uh, the, the unfortunate part is, is you just paid Matthew Stafford $35 million a season, mm-hmm. and it's going to be really difficult to get rid of that contract. Granted, though, uh, it looks like a lot of teams are going to be in the quarterback market very soon. Uh, the Saints come to mind because I don't think Drew Brees – I think we're seeing his last year. Well, you know what it comes down to? I, I think one of the things that, that kind of makes me chuckle is when I hear people use the, the term rebuild because – um, when Matt Patricia was brought in, there was no talk of rebuild. It was, yeah. if you remember, it was coming off one in seasons. Yeah, nine and nine and seven isn't good enough, and I agree with that. I'm so to this day, yep. I agree with that, and and I think that's the issue right now. I think both statements can be true. Nine and seven wasn't good enough. You know, losing to a bad Bengals team on Christmas Eve and blowing your shot at getting into the playoffs. Nine and seven wasn't good enough, and Matt Patricia's been a disaster. I think. I think both things can be true. And I think both things are true. And, and, and so to me, that's always been my issue with lion fans. Why don't you want more? Why? I, I don't get it. Why don't you want more? Why do you look back fondly on nine and seven and go, well, at least we were nine and seven. And, and unfortunately, because this franchise has been so poor historically, you, you hear fans do that more times than you could shake a stick at. Look, it wasn't working with Caldwell either. And I'm of the opinion, if something isn't working, move on. You know, and sometimes it's going to work. And sometimes you're going to kick it up a notch. And sometimes 
it's not going to work. And certainly it hasn't worked so far for Matt Patricia. But, you know, there was no talk of rebuild. There was talk of, you know, uh, Bob Quinn said he thought that the roster was good enough to get into the playoffs uh, when he made that move. And, you know, since then, they, they haven't snipped the playoffs. So, you know, here we are talking about this and another day of talking about, you know, is the coach going to be gone? And I, I mean, for what it's worth, I don't think it's going to happen until the bye week at the earliest. I really don't. Uh, but who knows? You know, uh, I, I, I don't know how uh, Sheila Ford is going to approach this, what's going through her mind. You know, if you remember after last season, they said they want the Lions to be competitive. And they want them to, um, to you know, at least be in the mix for a playoff spot and everything. So um, if they want the Lions to be competitive, I hope they didn't watch the second half yesterday. Well, I think, too, what scares me is before the season, she came out and said, well, you know, this is a really different season. And with everything going on, and it made it seem like the leash was a lot longer. Yeah. And so I, I really personally, I don't think anything happens on that front until the end of the year. You know what? If the, to me, if the next two, if the next two games are any, any indication of what we saw yesterday, I think error, that they'll have, I think they'll have that. I think they'll have that conversation at the bye week. We'll see. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not speaking factually. I can't say I'm right. You're wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. But I, I just have a feeling, if you remember, that's kind of how they did it, um, you know, when they went through the disastrous 2015 season yeah. is, you know, they, they decided to blow Mayhew out of there and, and a lot of the people in the front office, but keep Caldwell, you know, could it be a similar situation, but reverse, you know, where they decide to blow Matt Patricia out of there, but keep Bob Quinn, could it be a package deal? I, I, I don't know, but I, I, honestly, Al, if, if, what happened yesterday happens the next two weeks. And quite frankly, there's no reason to think that it's not going to. Um, Arizona. I, I think we're going to have that conversation at the bye week. Arizona is so scary right now because Kyler Murray is turning into – it looks like it looks like I'm watching Oklahoma play Kansas State yeah. when he's out on the field. And they, they get DeAndre Hopkins for a washer and dryer and a $200 gift card to Best Buy. And it's like this team now with Kenyon Drake, Christian Kirk is your third wide out. I mean, this team offensively is just – I mean, they put up over uh, – what, they put 31 up on, on the Washington defense. And that's a scary defense. Think about all the drops yesterday from that Packer receiving core. I mean, honestly oh, – yeah. Think about all those drops. And next week, you've got, as you mentioned, Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins. Folks, they're not going to be dropping balls like the Green Bay Packers did. They're not, they are not going to be dropping balls. I mean, it, it, I'm with you. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying, especially the way that the Cardinals attack you. It's terrifying <laughs> to think what might transpire next week out in the desert. Yeah, it's, it's not great, Bob. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I – I, I just wish people take from this because they're 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 listening from other parts of the country. The Lions are it, it is it is very difficult to be a fan. And you know the best part is is I uh, when I was stationed all across the country, right, and the world for that matter. And football season was coming up. Without it was like clockwork. August would roll around. Hey man, wow, your lines look good. 
Oh man, the Lions! Look, you've got Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson. Oh man, they made they went out and got a bunch of guys in free agency. I kind of like the Lions. And be like, just wait, just wait. It's like uh, yesterday when it was fourteen to three. Um, I had quite a bit of money on the Packers and a buddy calls me up. He goes, Oh, you're in trouble. And I go, no, I'm not. I just doubled <laughs> down on the Packers. I I've seen this story before. Yeah, no, I, you're absolutely right. I was stunned at that line yesterday. I know you mentioned the line for the Cardinal game. I mean, the Packers at home, it went from six and a half to six. And, and I yeah. like, honestly, I, it was manna from heaven. My goodness gracious. That was, that was such a safe play. And, you know, uh, th- this is where we're at right now. And, and and you're absolutely right. I don't know how, after seeing everything that's transpired, not just last week, but going back to last season, I don't know how any Lion fan could feel comfortable about that. You know, that, that you know, when they jumped out to that lead and, you know, they were moving the ball so well and they, they were, you know, they held the Packers to three points on that drive. I don't know how any lion fan could feel comfortable with that. And, you know, by the early portion of the third quarter, that was all gone. I wanted to get your take around the NFC too, is this bears team. uh, They don't seem real to me. Uh, I think they, they caught two really bad teams. Uh, Saquon goes out, changes the whole dynamics of the game. I thought the giants were going to win outright yesterday and they almost did i mean danny dimes had him in scoring position uh ready to go in but you know there's just no offensive talent on that team no the bears seem fake the packers have a resurgence what the hell is going on in minneapolis what a disaster what what a disaster it's you know the scary thing is it's 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 their defense has been torched you know that's been a good defense for a while they they've kind of loaded up yeah, and they've kind of been on the NFL elevator for, for a while now, you know, kind of like, you know, 11 wins, 7 wins, 13 wins. You know, they've kind of been on that NFL elevator a little bit. But, um, you know, offensively, yesterday, they j- it took them a while to get going. And, you know, when your defense is putting you in a hole like their defense has been putting them in, uh, it's it's tough to come back. They did the same thing in the first game against the Packers. So that's a little surprising to me. Kirk Cousins is going to have his ups and downs. That's just the way it is. That's who he is. But right now, uh, defensively, they're a disaster. I agree with you on the Bears. I don't know how Mitchell Trubisky does it. You know, against the Lions, it's it's been remarkable. I, I don't know if you – have realized this this is this is a guy that is just lighting them up he's got 13 touchdowns in his last four games against the vikings it's incredible 12 passes one run and you know he he was throwing touchdown passes again yesterday but but i'm with you i i just don't think that's enough i think they'll be exposed when they play a, a good team but um for all the talk about the NFC North, I, I'm always tempted to say the NFC Central. That's what I grew yeah. up with. But yeah. for all the talk of the NFC North, you know, taking a step up the last couple of years, it, it just hasn't lived up to its end of the bargain. What is your uh, ideal situation for how this line season unfolds? What's the best thing long-term or could be short-term? What, what do you want to see happen? They have to really embrace a rebuild now. Um, they have to. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They have to think about the next generation. And, you know, I was somebody uh, – trust me when I say this, Al, there were a lot of people up here that were uh, – um, 
anti and pro team Tua. And I was somebody, I thought to myself, uh, you have an opportunity to get a guy that could be a franchise quarterback and you don't have to play him this year. And, and if you want, you don't even have to play him next year. You know, old school, the, the guy in weight and everything, because Matthew Stafford isn't going to be here. Look, he's had a long career so far. You know, he's, he's been in there since 09. There's a lot of wear and tear on this Scary guy. Scary injury situation. Last year, and too. I have mad respect for Matthew Stafford. I think the way he's handled himself on and off the field, he's a good quarterback. But – you have to start thinking about the future. And, you know, his, his contract is, is a little more uh, manageable in, in, regards, in, in regards to uh, dealing him elsewhere or having him go someplace after next year, two years from now. So um, it's not a slight against Matthew Stafford. I'm glad he's the quarterback right now. And, and when I said, you know, go get Tua, it wasn't to say hand the reins over to Tua this year. And I think that was where the, the water got muddied. Oh, well, what's your problem with Stafford? Nothing. I, I think you can you can have Matthew Stafford and also at the same time say, let's keep this guy and this is this is your future. But I think it worked out fairly well for the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. And I'm, I'm not saying that Tua is going to become the next Patrick Mahomes, but I think that that worked out very nicely. And certainly in a different generation of football, uh, people had that understudy kind of waiting and everything. But, you know, this is a situation where they didn't do that. And that's something that they're going to have to address. And people are already talking about Trevor Lawrence for next year and everything. So, um, you know, you have to start thinking of the future. This team isn't going anywhere. The window is closed, even with the young pieces that they have. And, and I will totally agree with you. I think Kenny Galladay is a stud. I, I, I think, honestly, he's in the in the um, area of top 10 receiver in the league. He just is. And, and if you don't believe me, you know, maybe some, somebody from a different part of the country doesn't believe me, go look at his numbers and then get back to me. Honestly, he, uh, especially under the circumstances that, that he did things. Um, so there are nice pieces there, but it's not enough. And it isn't enough to put together a run. I, I think in this era, especially with everything going on right now with the coach, with the psyche of the team, uh, with the future of the general manager, you have to start thinking about the future. But put yourself in Bob Quinn's position. Put yourself in Matt Patricia's position. They have They're to not thinking now. about the future. They're no. thinking about the now and saving their jobs. Yeah, and and that was the thing that it came down to last year. Tool was the long-term correct pick, and Okuda would have been. It was the here and now. Let's get a piece that can help us win now. Pick. I think this is a better year to grab a quarterback personally than last year. Uh, I think you could make the case that, well, obviously Trevor Lawrence is better than Tua. I think you could even make the case that Justin Fields will be out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You look at a kid like Trey Lance, who if people are unfamiliar, go check out this kid's YouTube highlight reel. This kid is Kyler Murray, but taller. Um, and he's going to be out there floating around. So there, there's quarterbacks that are, are – I mean, it's a pretty deep class coming sure. into this season. This is the perfect time to find a quarterback. You're going to be – I mean, just looking at the schedule, they got killers. And if this team is headed in the direction we, we kind of see it going in, it ain't going to be pretty. Uh, guys, guys don't like playing too much when they're 1-7 and seven and the season's over. 
No, I agree with you. And, and, you know, the one thing that you can never count on is how a team might finish, right? And that was my, that was my argument from last year because if the Lions messed around and went 6-10 and 10, or, dare I say, 7-9 and nine this year, well, are they in a position to grab one of those quarterbacks? So that was my worry. Um, at the time, I said, how often are you in this position to get a guy, you know, at the top end of the draft. And, and because of that, maybe you think about it, but two games in boy, it sure looks like they're going to be there again. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, SOL. Um, <laughs> well, while I got you here, I want to get, we, we talked last time we had a big hockey show. That's in the archives that you can listen to the playoffs. We're, we're finally at the Stanley cup. Now, um, Dallas Tampa Bay was not something I saw coming. Uh, I was rooting real hard for the Islanders. Uh, but how do you like this matchup in in the finals? And uh, what do you think about how it's going to play out? Well, I took Tampa, you know, 17 years ago back in October. Doesn't last October seem like, uh, like a couple of decades and 17 yes. years at least. So, uh, you know, yes. I, I took Tampa and the Avs back then. So I'm going to stick with Tampa, but I don't feel real good about it. I think two reasons. Number one, Dallas has it going on. I mean, they're getting contributions from everybody. I mean, really, it, it's, it, that is an amazing story. I don't think enough is being said, quite frankly, about what Dallas has done. You know, they knocked off that really good Colorado team who I think Colorado is going to win cups in the next few years, not a cup cups. I mean, they, they are absolutely loaded. So they knocked them off in, in, in seven and then knocked off a really good Vegas team. And nobody gave them much of a chance in both series. And, you know, they come into the finals feeling good about themselves, getting productivity from, from literally every part of, of the ice. And it's, it's not superstar laden. It's not, you know, the big, the big names that are lighting it up. I mean, Tyler Sagan uh, has, has barely a blip, you know, on, on the, the playoffs so far. Tampa comes in limping. There's no doubt about it. You know, they're, they're banged up. Um, their, their depth has been tested. You know, it's been the Steven Stamkos will be back anytime scenario for a while. And he's still not back. And obviously Hedman's hurt and Kucherov has been hurt and Braden point has been hurt. Um, they've gotten grittier. I think they'll bounce back from game one. I think this is going to be a tremendous series when all is said and done. And I won't be surprised to see Steven Stamkos finally making his way back into the lineup. Uh, but obviously he was a lot more hurt than anybody thought. Uh, but game one, Dallas served notice to everybody yet again, that they're legitimate uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're poised and ready to win the Stanley cup. I wouldn't be shocked if they won it at all. Uh, again, by virtue of the way that they're playing and the fact that Tampa is so beaten up, but I, I'm going to stick with Tampa. I'm going to say Tampa in seven, but I think it reminds everybody that, that, you know, the, the Stanley cup playoff, it, it really is a marathon. It, it, it is. And yet so many variables have to go into it. Health, uh, being one of the big ones. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was, it's been playoff season this yeah. entire time. So, I mean, yep. a lot of games, a lot of back-to-backs. Uh, and, you know, I think it bears uh, mentioning that maybe the captain deserves uh, a ring if Tampa can uh, hoist uh, the cup. I mean, I'm just saying he, he kind of built that team. He did. There's no doubt about it. You know, he went and uh, uh, plucked, a guy out of the Hab system as well, who is now the general manager there and in, in Julian Brisbois. And, you know, it, it's, it's a situation where his fingerprints are all over that. And, and I think it's also a subtle reminder to Red Wing fans 
And I know we talked about this before. It's going to take time, and it's going to take more time. And he doesn't want to just get into the playoff, you know, and, yay, let's start a new streak. No, he wants them to to have that type of long-term success like the Red Wings did. And, you know, there's still a lot of growing pains, and they still have to do a lot of um, stock you know shelving if you will oh, yeah. uh, with this franchise they still need a whole heck of a lot of groceries being bought but uh we'll see how it plays out and also saturday um on a miserable college football saturday oh god i got murdered i don't know how you did but i took a bath um big 10 schedule comes out and uh, you know what were your initial reactions to how they set up the season? And uh, does Michigan State win more than one game? I was, uh, I was surprised that, that the schedule came out as quickly as it was. You know, all we had heard for a few days was it was going to come out today. And then, you know, surprise, Saturday morning. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for Michigan State. There's no doubt about it. I think the schedule helps them. You know, I mean, they, they're, there are winnable games on there. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, a few winnable games on that. So, uh, you know, but they, they've got some, you know, here's that word again. They've, they've got some shelves to stock again. You know, they, they've got to do some work. And Mel Tucker's been doing that. And I think Mel Tucker's eventually going to be successful. I looked at the schedule, and if somebody wants to call me a homer, go right ahead. I, I thought three and five with, with the games on the slate. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Michigan has a tough slate as well. You know, they, they, I think that looks like a, a four and four, five and three at best type of scenario, but what's, what's going on in Ann Arbor too? You know what? McCaffrey it, leaves. Yeah, it, uh, it is. Go ahead. The, the right tackle. He's gone. Ambry Thomas. Uh, there's word that he's going to opt back in. Nico Collins signs your number one wideout signs with uh, Drew Rosenhaus. Uh, not good. There's a lot think, of pieces to fix. You know what the problem has been in Ann Arbor um, since 2015? They've just been good. That's it. They, they've just been good. They're a good team. You know, a good Big Ten team, I might add, um, which, which is a little below uh, some of the other conferences, especially the SEC. I'm one of the rare people up here that can acknowledge that and have acknowledged that for years. So, as you well know. Very Al, few. Yeah, very few. They just they, – they, there's like this pride thing that won't allow people to say that, but I'm guilty. Uh, I'm guilty of it. Oh yeah. I think a lot of people have been like that. You know, and I think it gets to the point in time where you can't, you can't argue it anymore. You know what I got sick of Al? I used to make trips down to the sec and I, yeah, I, I remember to, you talking about those. Yep. And I went to every venue, but South Carolina literally went to every venue, but South Carolina. And what I found is I'd have conversation with fans and I'd, I'd find that I had nothing to say. And that's what kind of learned me because, you know, your, your pride, you're like, no. And then you talk to people and, and you're like, come on, man. I, I don't have a leg to stand on. And I don't like saying it. It's not, I don't take pride in it or anything. But, yeah, it's been a less, less than conference. I mean, there's no other way to say that. But with that being said, um, yeah, Jim Harbaugh's just been good at Michigan. And, and for all the ballyhoo and the signing of the stars and, you know, he's going to switch things up and everything. If you, if you look on his watch, you know, they, they've consistently been also ran now for 20-plus years. Uh, they've been a better also ran. Uh, under Jim Harbaugh, but you know, in on his watch at at Michigan, you've got Ohio State winning the conference multiple times. You have Michigan State winning the conference one time. The other time was before he came aboard, obviously. So these are things that that Michigan fans don't like to see. But I think the one 
thing about Michigan fans, it's always looking ahead. Who's the next quarterback? You know, who's going to be the next uh, four or five star that comes in and is a stud, you know, uh, and next year we're going to be ready. And, and that's kind of been the mantra for a long time. Michigan fans don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. I mean, that's been the mantra for a long time. And I think what's really interesting is Ohio State, Sean Wade opted out. Now it sounds like he's opting back in. Yeah. Ohio State's ready to go. And this is a team, I mean, <laughs> I, I know you remember it and it gave me, I mean, it just filled my heart with joy and butterflies when Ryan Day uh, got called out by Harbaugh for practicing yeah. with pads. And he said, we're going to hang up a hundred on you this year. So shut up. Um <laughs> That, that, I love that. I love the old school stuff. I'm with it. Do you know what reminds me of when I was really young? And, and Al, you may remember this, uh, Barry Switzer, hang half a hundred. It it just, it reminds me of that. I, it, I think college football needs more of that. You know, everybody's gotten so PC. I kind of miss the, the battle within the, the games and everything and, and, and the chirpiness of coaches. I miss Steve Spurrier more than anything. Oh, Steve I miss Spurrier. the visor too, yeah. Oh, what a character. And when, when he would get on Phil Fulmer, I would just giggle from afar. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff. I, I think college football needs character like that. And the, you know, the, the, um, the added salsa, if you will. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I mean, look, Ohio State's tortured everybody, you know, with the, with, with the exception of a couple times, you know, Michigan State getting the best of them one time in a, in a Big Ten championship game and in, in the other time in that windstorm down in, in Columbus. I mean, All Rocky Lombardi. Yeah, they've, they've tortured everybody. They've tortured everybody. So that's the way it goes. Yeah, and, you know, I think uh... – uh, when we were talking with Phil Sealon the last time uh, you were on, the Ohio State's built like an SEC program. Yeah. And I think uh, the rest of the Big Ten is built like, like it's like we're stagnated in 1995 Big Ten football. We're not thinking outside the box. Meanwhile, down south, Mike Leach uh, is, is going air raid. Coach O is doing it like he's just hiring the best minds and come up with some kooky. You got the the old ball coach Saban down at Bam. I mean, there's just everywhere you look in the South in the SEC and what Lane Kiffin and, and Todd Hermans are doing at Oklahoma and Texas seems like everybody else is making leaps forward and we're just stagnated for the most part, except for OSU. Yeah, it, it's frustrating because I think you'll remember one of the things that Michigan State did under Mark D'Antonio is they would bring in those fast linemen and, and on the defensive side of the ball. And it was amazing to watch, you know, for a few years, um, the difference that some of those guys were doing. And, and, and it did remind me of the SEC because one of the things, you know, the speed is talked about all the time, okay? But I think one of the things, especially when you see those games, is, is the speed on the lines. It's not so much the wide receiver v. cornerback, corner v. wide receiver. It's, it's just the blow off the ball that, that you've seen so many times in these games, you know, blowing around uh, the old school offensive lineman or whatever the case may be. And, and 
you know, unfortunately, you're just, you're not seeing much of that around here. I mean, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. There was that, you know, for a few years with, with Michigan State where they had some guys kind of blowing off the line. And, you know, they, Michigan State had a, a tremendous amount of, of, of success, not only by Michigan State standards, but really by anybody's standards. And, you know, I always say, I look back to that 2013 team. That's one of the most dominant Big Ten champions we've ever seen. And when I yeah. say that, people will go, oh, your Spartan is showing. And I'll go, okay, well, let me, let me throw this at you. Give me the last Big Ten champion that won every game in conference by double digits. I'll wait. Because that's exactly what Michigan State did in 2013. They beat every Big Ten opponent by double digits, including the Ohio State Buckeyes. So that was, that was a pretty special team. You don't, you don't see teams uh, do that very often in any conference, let and alone not the to Big mention, Ten conference. That, that's a year that it gives me a lot of what if. What if <laughs> – the referees at Notre Dame don't call Trey Waynes and Darquez Denard for six pass interference penalties. I mean, yeah. you look back and you go, wow, we could have been in the first playoff. Yeah, it would have been. been uh, what if they didn't put Andrew Maxwell in at the end of the game? Remember? I mean, it, it, it was, it was, that was something that was a head scratch. I loved coach D'Antonio. Obviously it was a great year, but um, you know, there were so many what ifs and, you know, one year later, what if it was a, a college football playoff? What would that have been like? Because it's, if you remember um, the, the Rose Bowl obviously is in yeah. Pasadena and the championship was as well that year. And it was funny because when I went out to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl, um, you know, I, I went with my son, we just had a, a great time, but there were a lot of fans of, of, of the teams that were playing, you know, the next week for the championship there and everything. And it was I, that's what I kept thinking when I was there. Oh my gosh, you know, what would happen? All right. You know, if they get by Stanford, what would happen in, in, you know, in a game against either of these, you know, whether it be Florida state, whether it be Auburn and uh, you know, we'll never know uh, that that's the way it goes. We'll never know. And, you know, uh, fortunately or unfortunately for them, they, they got a chance to make the playoff and uh, Alabama just absolutely decimated them back in 2015. But um, yeah, it was, it was a fun era for Michigan state football, but you know, it, unfortunately it didn't have the shelf life that a lot of us wanted and we'll see what coach Tucker can do. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully it's sooner than later, but, uh, no Sean, question. before I let you go here, where can the good people find you and, uh, what, what are you up to nowadays and basking in the glow of retirement slash I'm going to do whatever the feel, uh, whatever I feel like doing. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. You know what? I, I've been, I have a blast at WJR. It's uh, you know, one of the best radio stations in the nation. It's a heritage station. So doing a lot of stuff for them. I, I like doing a lot of prep stuff now, you know, I'm doing prep hockey and, and prep football. And, you know, I think I told you I've done some games for the Canes, uh, the, the Carolina hurricanes and, um, just having fun, uh, blowing up my smoker. As you mentioned, I, I, I have Meat a connoisseur and, that yeah, should I be a, in your, your Twitter <laughs> bio. Yeah. We used to do a little thing years ago called Mita. And, uh, so we, we decided to have our own Mita, you know, my friends and, you know, both, both longtime friends of mine and some friends in the media and everything. So we're a couple times a week. We, we, we blow some things up in our smokers and, and have feasts. So yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying life. You know, that's what it's meant to be. You know, I'm, I've been blessed to do a lot of things that I want to do in my career. I have two beautiful kids and I'm, I'm just enjoying life. Well, I, you know, it's always a pleasure to get to talk with you. I enjoy talking with you. Um, Same here. 
the great Sean Belizean. Hopefully we can have you back maybe down the road, do, do a picks weekend or something. Anytime you want, just reach out anytime you want. I love talking to you. All right, Sean. I appreciate it. We're going to be back right after this. Hey everybody. It's Stu from the Stucast inviting you to check out the starter allowance podcast hosted by Andrew Grismore. Every single week, he's dropping great content with amazing guests and a lively handicapping roundtable looking at big races every single week across the country. Check him out wherever you're getting your podcasts. He is part of the StuCast Sports Network. Let's go play some ponies and let's cash some tickets. All right, our next guest, he covers Kentucky men's basketball and the Tennessee Titans for the Athletic. He is Kyle Tucker. Kyle, pleasure to have you on, and and, uh, thanks for working with me. Uh, We've been talking back and forth, days on and off, um, so really thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, the Titans are a team that I think a lot of people sleep on, and uh, I mean, it's got to be a lot of fun to be writing for a team uh, like the Titans after last season and and coming out of the gates with two really fun football games to start the season. Uh, How long have you been covering this team for the Athletic, and and what's your initial impression as where they sit right now so early in the season? Yeah, so I'm actually uh, from here or roughly here uh, in Nashville, uh, but this is the my first season, um, sort of starting to dip my toe into uh, helping Joe Rexroad uh, at the Athletic cover the Titans. Um, as you mentioned, I also have Kentucky uh, basketball duties, lived in Lexington for the previous nine years, uh, focused on Kentucky. So, uh, but I've been paying attention for a long time to the Titans. I actually, way back in the day when I was in college, uh, working for a small paper in Tennessee, uh, covered the very first season of the Titans in Nashville, um, uh, covered the season when they went to uh, the Super Bowl. And so um, been paying attention to the franchise for a long time. And, and, and since that Super Bowl, they've, you know, it's been an interesting kind of history. Uh, last year was, um, I, I think, in many ways, a, a very pleasant surprise for Titans fans. They made a, a change at quarterback and everything kind of took off. Um, nine and seven season, but they end up in the AFC championship game and then really kind of bring the guts of that team back. Um, most of that team back and make a couple of additions. And now they're two and O, which everybody knows um, two and O is a very, you know, stating the obvious, but also just sort of historically and statistically two and O a very advantageous way to start an NFL season. I think 63 ish percent of teams in history since the nineties, uh, that started 2-0, and um, made the playoffs. Um, it's been kind of ugly for them the, to start this season, maybe not as, as dominant as people would have hoped against, you know, so-so opponents. But 2-0 and is 2-0, and and the offense and, and uh, Ryan Tannehill certainly, I think, have everybody's attention again. You know, this team, it, it just uh, getting, uh, you know, I'm not privileged enough to you know, focus on the Titans like you are. But this is a team that seems like through two weeks, when in 16-14, Gostowski hits the game-winning kick against Denver, 
and then last week giving up a little bit of a lead, uh, to say the least, against the Jags, but fighting back and holding on to win. Uh, this team, do, do you have a sense of what this identity is? Do you know what this team is yet, or is this Vikings game coming up uh, in week three going to tell you where you think this team's at? Well, I think, you know, uh, ideally – uh, Mike Vrabel would want it to be a, a rugged defensive team that runs the football down your throat. Um, you know, and the defensive part of it has not come along, but I think there are some, some extenuating circumstances there. I think people are going to start, going to start to wonder, you know, if they continue to struggle, if, if it might not have been wise to go to fully uh, replace the defensive coordinator instead of sort of splitting that, that job between Mike Vrabel uh, and his outside linebackers coach Shane Bowen. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't know uh, the answer there with the retirement of Dean Peace. Um, but uh, they've also, you know, they brought in Clowney right before, before the season started, a week before the season started, and, and it's pretty clear he's not all the way up to speed or in total shape yet. Uh, Vic Beasley was their previous big offseason uh, addition, and he's not played a snap of football for them yet with sort of the strange – I don't know if you call it holdout or, or whatever it was, uh, delay in him getting there. And, and he's kind of worked is just now starting to work his way back into practice. They've had a number of other injuries, arguably their top corner, Adore Jackson, on the uh, short-term injury reserve will be out at least one more week. Um, you know, Malcolm Butler banged up. They've, they've had a bunch of uh, issues in that regard where I think the defense may get dramatically better over the coming weeks. Um, it's also clear that teams are trying to, to – you know, stop Derrick Henry. Uh, and maybe there are some things that are more Titans-centric there, but I do think teams, especially Jacksonville, which has been hurt by him before last week, really kind of sold out to stop Derrick Henry. He still leads the NFL in rushing yards and rushing attempts by quite a bit, uh, but they've been hard yards. Um, 25 carries for 84 yards, I think, the other day. Um, and so I think that's what Mike Vrabel wants their identity to be. Um, but right now, I think their identity is, is really more on the back of uh, Ryan Tannehill, who's now gone four games, 112 attempts, uh, and thrown 10 touchdowns without an interception over, the, over these last four games dating to the playoffs. Um, stood in the pocket, took a shot to the chest, uh, a nasty shot from Josh Allen, a pro bowler, in the last game, and threw a critical touchdown pass while getting destroyed. Uh, I think earned a lot of respect there. Uh, he spread the ball around a ton in the first couple of weeks, um, gotten it a bunch, thrown four touchdown passes to his tight ends, uh, has thrown it, um, you know, a bunch to his slot receivers. You know, he's been, was without A.J. Brown this week. Uh, Corey Davis is maybe emerging as the guy that they picked four years ago as a, as a top five pick in the draft. Uh, maybe he can be that, something close to that again. Um, but I, right now, it's all kind of resting on his right arm and, and, and comfortably or uncomfortably on uh, Steven Goskowski's leg. Um, after his disastrous start, he did kick the game winner in the first week after missing four kicks. Uh, and he did kick a 49-yarder and a 53-yarder, um, including the game winner, what was ultimately the game winner this week. So uh, it's been certainly an eventful start to this season. I, you mentioned the ground and pound and, and Mike Vrabel wanting to win it in the trenches. Derrick Henry is unquestionably uh, just a man beast. I mean, he's just an animal. He's 
physically imposing. He's an impressive athlete, always has been going back to Alabama. But do you think, I mean, 31 carries the first week, 25 this past week. I imagine that, you know, the Vikings are going to, just seeing how Jonathan Taylor gashed up uh, the Vikings defense, I have to imagine Derrick Henry's on tap for 25 more carries this week. Do you think there's a, uh, the Titans have some kind of, uh, limit here like we talk about pitchers and you know uh, pitch count is there is there a rush count because we've seen what happens to quarter or running backs excuse me historically that cross that that 350 carry type threshold on a year-in-year basis uh, it, they don't they don't last that tread uh, wears really quickly do you, do you have any concern about that I think every, I mean, it's, it's ultimately got to be the concern, always going to be the concern with Derrick Henry, but I don't know that there's a back in the league that's better built to sustain it. I mean, he is a, a giant human being, a powerful running back who is, has so far been incredibly durable. Um, he's been carrying workloads like this from high school into Alabama uh, and, and now these last couple seasons in the NFL. I mean, you know, he, he, he had some weeks like this, a lot of weeks uh, like this last season, um, you know, and, and late the season before that. So it doesn't feel like to me uh, that they do uh, intend to, to limit him. Um, you know, to, I think, uh, hang on, I've got audio going here. Sorry. Um, you know, I think Brabel has kind of said, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. Um, that's been another development for them. They went out and drafted in the third round, a really good running back out of Appalachian state, uh, Darrington Evans. And he's just been injured. He's been, he missed a bunch of camp. Uh, he's still apparently had a, had a, came back to practice for a couple of days and I guess had a, a, a re-aggravation of his hamstring injury and it's yet to make his NFL debut after two weeks. He was kind of the, the lightning to Henry's thunder was the thinking there. He was going to be a home run hitter. Um, and without him, they don't really – I don't think they really have a guy they, they love or are very excited about um, to throw out there. Uh, and so in the meantime, I think they'll just keep uh, sledgehammering, away, sledgehammering away with Derrick Henry. The Titans are in uh, one of the more unique divisions in the AFC South, and, and I say that only because just about, I think, every division – uh, in football, you can make the case of, well, you know, there's at least one team in here that we, we can just toss out, right? Uh, but I think going into the season, that was going to maybe be Jacksonville, but Jacksonville certainly turned some heads. Indy has shown that they can be a good team, and the Texans still have a ton of talent and, you know, a playoff team last year, but they started 0 2. What's your assessment of the rest of the AFC South here? Who who are you concerned most about um, challenging the Titans? I mean, I would think it would be the Colts. Um, you know, you mentioned Houston's already in that O two hole. Um, the Colts have, I, I think, were really well constructed um, to challenge for the division title and may still be, but they've had quite a bit of bad injury news here. You know, in the first couple weeks of the yeah. season. Um, yeah, I would, I would still probably think it's the Colts. Um, I mean, the Texans have, have been a bit of a, a train wreck uh, to open the season. The Jaguars are interesting. I mean, if they had been able to pull out uh, that win the other day, you know, everybody said whether well, they're, they're going to tank and, and tank for, for 
the number one pick. Um, but I like Gardner Minshew. I mean, are you are you really uh, trying to run that guy off? He right seems now? competent. I mean, he seems like a very competent, um, steady as she goes quarterback that that might actually be good, borderline good. Yeah, I mean, I you know he, he led them back. I mean, he was he was a big part of them coming all the way back to tie that game from they were down basically fourteen nothing. Um, from the start of that game, he had, he had one interception bounce off his receiver's uh, hands early, uh, and the other was uh, tipped at the line. Uh, but he didn't make a bunch of, bunch of bad throws. In fact, made quite a few good ones. Uh, he's, he's quick and kind of decisive. He's, he's a little bit slippery. I mean, they, they had a hard time getting their hands on him uh, the other day. It seems like they let Leonard Fournette go, and they, they're starting an undrafted rookie running back who's actually pretty good. Um, and so I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know, uh, you know, if we have maybe underestimated them or, or not, but it, it feels maybe like a little bit. I mean, James Robinson had 100 yards rushing, six yards a carry um, against that Titans defense um, on Sunday. Going, going a little bit uh, into the upcoming game this weekend, I, I'm sure you've been looking at that Colts-Vikings uh, game what what are some of the keys to victory for the Titans and uh, you know the Vikings starting out zero and two? I mean, you see on on uh, Twitter just the screenshot of Kirk Cousins sixty yards, three picks going into the fourth quarter. They get a uh, garbage time touchdown out of Dalvin Cook, but so, something's gone wrong because that was a team that a lot of folks picked to win the uh, NFC North. Yeah, and they're going to be without some guys too. I mean, you know, it was a it was a bleak uh, Sunday in the NFL with injuries, uh, and they were not immune. Um, they have uh, they have lost some guys as well here in these first couple of weeks. Um, I think, you know, for the Titans, it's it, I think it's more of a uh, you know about them and then the opponent, you know, sort of the coach speak thing. It's more about us than than the other. Uh, the other guy, I think that's true this week in a big way, just because they, they do have so much to answer um, about their defense. Um, you know, can they rise up? Uh, can they get a pass, pass rush? I mean, that's, that's really been a, an issue for them is um, they've gotten some pressures. They got a few more pressures this past week. And at the end of the game, when they kind of had to have it, a clowny got a hit on the quarterback to force an incompletion and force a punt. Um, you know, Jeffrey Simmons has made a couple of huge plays, made a, a couple of unbelievable goal line stops uh, in Denver. Um, and then uh, came up with a big play at the end of the game also on Sunday. But um, the pass rush has been a major question mark. And so, you know, can they establish that? Can they stop the run uh, Sunday? against the Vikings and then, and then can they establish, not establish, but can they, can they spring uh, Derrick Henry? I think his longest run so far of the season is 14 yards, you know, for a big back, he would get a lot of his yards in these last couple of seasons on those, those home run plays where he'd uh, break free and, and get out in the open field and go. That has yet to happen yet um, this season. Can they, can they get that going against a struggling a Vikings team that's going to be down a couple of guys. Uh, those are all things I think people are going to be watching for. Um, you know, we know now, um, we know now that they're going to, the Vikings are going to be without a couple of key players. And so um, I just think it's more about that. And, and also kind of um, 
right now it's can you can you capitalize? There are going to be some much harder games on the schedule against much uh, better and more competent opponents. But can you capitalize and win all these games you're supposed to win? I mean, I would think that these first couple, even though they had really struggled to win in Denver, you know, Denver not a, a very impressive team right now. Um, you know, Jacksonville at home is a game you you must win and against a bad Vikings team. Can you, can you go three and O against uh, teams that you should go three and O against? That's a big part of establishing yourself for the season, getting off to a rare fast start. This was, this is their first two and O start uh, since 2008, which is really wow. hard to believe. Yeah. Um, and just getting out to a fast start and giving yourself a little bit of a cushion because the other thing is, okay, we, we were seeing all these guys go down with injury. We know right now things are pretty good on the COVID front in the NFL. Great. In fact, with no positive tests for players, but there's sort of the, the, the great unknown about how that stuff will begin to unfold. And if there's, you know, some kind of outbreak or, or you have a, a week or two in the season where that affects your roster, can you give yourself a cushion? Because this is going to be, I think this NFL season more than many in the past, a, a war of attrition. Absolutely. Um, Kyle, one, one last question here as we're winding it down. What, what has been the most surprising thing that you've seen in the NFL two weeks in? Oh, I don't know about, I don't know if it's surprising. Um, I, I would say probably the most notable thing to me is that, watching what Cam Newton has done in New England, and I know they lost the other day, but he did some really impressive things again. It's just the idea that the rest of the league, in a league where there are a lot of teams that are quarterback poor, um, that, that the rest of the league let Bill Belichick and the Patriots get Cam Newton for nothing. Yeah. Um, that is probably the thing that stands out to me across the board in the NFL right now more than anything. I mean, talk about how that uh, Cowboys game, Cowboys-Falcons game ended the other day. That's probably the most jaw-dropping single moment. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think maybe the other, other revelation to me is that Kyler Murray is like the Kyler Murray who we saw uh, breaking people off uh, at Oklahoma. I didn't think that that little guy could do that in the NFL. Kyle, Kyle I cannot wait. Till Kyler Murray plays my Lions this weekend, I, I'm putting the college fund on Kyler. The, the, <laughs> I'm cashing in the stocks, the 401ks. It's all going on the Cardinals. I, I think he might be with with Hopkins, Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk, and then you add into the the mix Kenyon Drake, who I think is showing that, um, and showed last year that he's a much better compliment in that offense than David Johnson. And yeah. that, that defense has really come together. That defense is playing hard, and Cliff Kingsbury is certainly not a defensive guru by any no. stretch. No, but. and it's, it is amazing how one player um, can sort of all of a sudden make you even feel encouraged about other, the rest of the players sure. and, they, and, and elevate them and how one player like that can sort of change and almost instantly change the fortune. I mean, you know, who was thinking anything about the Arizona Cardinals? Um, and, and now I think, you know, you've really got to look at them and worry about them. By the way, uh, I was sort of blanking out earlier when I was trying to talk about the Vikings. Uh, Anthony Barr, torn peck out for the season, four-time Pro Bowler uh, at 
linebacker there for the Vikings is is is, is Daniel Hunter still out? I know he was he missed the first game and I I didn't hear about the second. I don't uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at that. But, but Anthony uh, Barr is is kind of like the, has been the staple of that defense for the past has, few years. Yeah, so. I mean when you when you add when you add sort of that horrible news to what has already been a horrible start uh, for the Vikings, it just sort of feels like you know everything. Um, you know, everything is, you know, going the wrong way for that franchise. I mean, their, their defense has not looked great anyway. Uh, and now when you take away sort of the, the guy who makes it all go, um, this, this again, to me, it's just, it's a game the Titans ought to win. And that gets you to three and O coming back home. They have three home games in October. They actually have fans. They did not for this first one. And that was as every bit as weird as you'd imagine. They had seven fans through a certain special little, set up they had that they let come in and you could hear each individual fan cheering, but they'll begin with, I think seven or 8,000 fans for the first home game in October. Then it works up to 12 and then I think 15,000. Um, and so if you come, if you come back three and O with three home games in the month of October and you get your fans back, Tennessee's got a chance to really sort of stake its claim early here in this NFL season. Absolutely. And I, I guess, you know, you're, you're in SEC country, so I'd be remiss if we didn't touch and, and get a quick hit, quick take on each game. Vandy, uh, we'll start with the Commodores. Can they cover 30 points against uh, against the Daggies? Uh, you know, that's a <laughs> that's a big one. Uh, I I'm like really bullish on Kenny Seals. I really do like Kenny. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I don't know. I yeah, I think I think A and M. I think I think A and M blows out Vanderbilt. I, I I'm not sure that anybody anybody with the Commodores is particularly excited about playing this all SEC season. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's there's I mean, there's a real chance that Vanderbilt could go zero and ten, um, and uh, and I think certainly they're probably going to start with a beatdown. It's crazy. It is crazy, though, to think of a, of a conference uh, game. 30, in a row, 30 and a half. The, the number's going up as we speak, too. I think and we've it's got, And I think we've got four SEC games that are, that are basically four touchdown favorites. Yep. Uh, which is absurd. Three of them. Uh, sorry. Georgia, Arkansas, Alabama, Missouri, and Texas A&M, Vanderbilt. Crazy. Uh <laughs> Getting away from the point spreads, the Vols head down to Columbia. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of very excited about where this Tennessee program is going. Uh, how do you like their chances in Columbia? Yeah, I mean, South Carolina is, was sort of perpetually for the last few years, the, the team, you know, the, the dark horse team, everybody wanted to pick in the SEC and it never quite panned out that way. Um, Tennessee is now a team that's starting to get some hype again. You know, there's Tennessee is sort of the Miami of the uh, SEC. Like this, the, the are they back? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good, that's a great comparison. I never thought about that, but you're absolutely a hundred percent. Well, you know, it's like you know, won your last last championship in the late '90s or early 2000s, and every year people want to know if you're back. Um, you know, that period just might be over. But, you know, Jeremy Pruitt has recruited really well. He's uh, upgraded big time on the offensive line. They get the, the waiver for Cade Mays, the Georgia transfer. Uh, certainly that changes them there. Um, but, yeah, I like Tennessee in this one, um, especially when you got to – when all these 
all these games in, in the SEC this season, sort of the caveat of like going on the road, it's not the same kind of going on the road. You know, you, you got to go to LSU, you're, you're done for most years or Alabama yeah. or South Carolina gets crazy. But when, when there's only a few thousand fans uh, in the stadium, it sort of neutralizes that. So I like Tennessee in that game. And I, I can't help but ask the big game of the entire weekend, I think, is the Wildcats under Mark Stoops heading down to Auburn. Um, that I, I know everybody and their cousin is on the Wildcats making a big play this year. Do you think they, they can win this game in Auburn? Or is it, or you think ah, they're just not there? They'll lose, but it'll be close. Where, where are you at? I think so much of it. The other caveat of the season is going to be, you know, after the Friday COVID test, you know, sure. knowing, knowing who's available. Auburn got hit by it. I think Kentucky's had some cases over the course, various points over the course of the That's summer. That's a good point. Um, but, I, you know, I think this, this Kentucky team is absolutely good enough to go win at Auburn. Um, it is, you know, they lost Lynn Bowden, but they bring back four out of their five offensive line starters. They have one of the handful of best offensive lines in the country. Uh, they have a loaded secondary that gave up, I think, tied with Ohio State last year for the fewest passing touchdowns allowed. Uh, it was a really, real surprise of that defense last year. And then they've added some guys, uh, including a transfer, former top 50 recruit from LSU that's going to start at corner for them, Kelvin Joseph. Um, they've got three running backs who are all really good. They, and they get their quarterback who was injured all last season, Terry Wilson, back. Um, and may have the Auburn transfer, Joey Gatewood, uh, if he gets a waiver as well at quarterback. And so they're as deep and talented as a team as Stoops has had. And, you know, they won 10 games two years ago. They won eight games last year with a wide receiver playing quarterback. Um, so, you know, barring a COVID outbreak, I think this team is absolutely good enough to go in there. And I am certainly surprised that it's right now the line is Auburn minus 10 and a half. Uh, that's that to me. I need to get, I need to get uh, wherever that is because I know it opened up at 17 and I'm seeing everywhere else seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. It went, so it opened at 17 like a month ago. And then I think they took it off the board because everybody bet Kentucky. Well, I wish I'd gotten in on that. I don't bet on the team. I don't, I don't bet on the teams I cover uh, and don't bet a lot, but uh, Auburn minus 17 is one I would have been probably pretty tempted to to throw a bunch of money at. Hey, uh, Kyle, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, Where can the good people find your work and uh, get at you on Twitter? Yeah, theathletic.com, the athletic app, uh, and I'm on Twitter at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH. And not only is he covering uh, Tennessee Titan football, folks, he's also covering uh, Kentucky basketball. They, I think they've won a few games before it's happened. Uh, small up-and-coming program. Got a lot of love, though. Hopefully we can get you back on to talk uh, a little Kentucky basketball in a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Thanks, Fred. Thank you very much, Kyle. And that'll wrap us up for this week. We will be back at you on Thursday. Goodbye.